Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. So, uh, hey, I'm Bob Cooney, but you know that, and I am here this week. This one, I'm excited about, not that I don't get excited about everything, I'm like a puppy dog, but but I'm really excited about this because this is going to fill a big gap in my library and in the knowledge base of my audience and in the industry. Mike Carrillo, Carrillo. Yeah. I even asked you how you pronounce it, and then I get it wrong, right? It is 5 a.m. here in Melbourne, so that's my excuse. That's a welcome uh, From FetchRev, thanks for joining, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Bob. Excited. Yeah, no, my pleasure, man. So one of the biggest issues that arcade owners have, and this is, I think, specifically to, you know, kind of what thought started this for me was VR arcades, and VR arcades are struggling with marketing. There's a lot of, like, passionate entrepreneurs that got into VR because they saw it, they did it, they put on a headset, they're like holy shit, this is amazing. We have to bring this to the world. Yeah. And then they went out and they found a a shopping center somewhere with some empty space and they rented it and they built this stuff and then they get there and they open the doors and thinking the world is going to line up. And then slowly some of them like realize that, ah, shit, I got to do marketing. I got to, I got to get the message out there. And, and there's very little that I've become, I'm a, a career marketer. I've been doing marketing for 30 years and, um, there's very little that I've ever seen that's harder to market than a VR experience. And so I wanted to bring you guys in. We've run into each other at a lot of trade shows in the amusement industry and thought you could help fill a need in the market. And that's why we're here today. So we're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about lead gen. We're going to talk about making more money with virtual reality. And Mike's going to help us um, plug some of the, the knowledge gaps and offer some solutions. So thanks for joining, man. Yeah, excited to be here. Excited. To, I always love to talk marketing. You know, it's um, I've personally been in the small business space, been an entrepreneur. That's how I actually came into FetchRev. And a lot of our leadership are like that's what, that's what our background is. You know, my dad is a small business owner. Our CEO is a small business owner. Like we grew up in that within different industries, obviously. But at the same time, the core of that problem is still there. And the core of that problem is how do you get customers coming in the door, right? So I think we all kind of go yeah. into it and we hope that if you build it, they will come. Unfortunately, it just doesn't always pan out that way. Yeah, that's awesome. So give me a little background. How did you get into this? What's your background? How did you wind up here? And then we'll talk about FetchRev and then we'll dive into the details. Yeah. So I've I've been in a number of different industries. Actually, the majority of my background is within the automotive industry. So I had uh, were born and raised here in, uh, in Arizona. We're actually out of Tempe, Arizona. That's where the FetchRev offices are. I had, I mean, goodness, a variety of things, call centers. I had opened uh, inbound, outbound call centers, done sales for different companies, consulting, owned autoglass kind of tint detail shops in a couple different formats. So it, it kind of been around the block in a, in a number of different ways. I ended up coming into this space and in digital marketing through through a connection I had with our CEO, Brandon Wiley. Um, I ended up coming in as kind of VP of business development. And really just kind of fell in love with the product. I mean, the, what I, one of the main things I really kind of love uh, and resonate with the FetchRev product is the fact that it's all just geared towards a small business owner. Our whole thing is right on the walls of our office. We love small business. We want to see small business owners succeed. But there's a lot that goes to that, right? There's a, there's a lot that, uh, that needs to do it. Yeah. And so FetchRev, like talk a little bit about what you guys do now. Let's give me the elevator pitch and from your perspective, and then we'll dive in. Yeah. 
Yeah, FetchRev, I, I mean, our, our heart and soul is re repeat foot traffic, right? So how do we how do we get your customers coming back in the door more often? So how, how do we, uh, and, and whether that's incentivizing them through different promotions, making sure that our messages are being seen in the places that they're already living and communicating with them in a way that is not only consistent, but it's digestible and that, and that yeah. strong calls to actions, right? That how do we call people to a specific action and get them to take a result? And I would argue one of the things that I think we probably do better than most uh, in marketing is our trackability, right? We always, we're firm believers that successful marketing is trackable marketing. Uh, so how do we create a system in which we can drive repeat foot traffic, get people coming back to the door uh, more regularly, but at the same time, be able to show strong results for that, as I think that's one of the primary burdens of most business owners in marketing is how do you draw a return on investment for the different things that you're investing in and putting money into? Um, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. And so, and you, you know, you hit on one of the key tenets, I think, that people really struggle with, which is, you know, in the VR industry, we talk about replayability as far as a game goes. But, you know, there's also this notion of repeat business from a marketing standpoint. And like, like, so with NFE, so you guys do a lot of work, like in trampoline parks like that. I think, is that, was that the first segment? Like, where's your business now? Like what verticals are you in? What micro verticals are you in? Yeah. So we're across a few. So a family entertainment, although it was not our initial, our initial market, uh, it has become the largest one that we serve. Um, so we're in, you know, more than a thousand family entertainment centers, trampoline parks across the country. So we're trampoline, I think is probably how we kind of got introduced to that world. But I would say the world of family entertainment centers at large is probably that's where they're a sweet spot. Yeah. And uh, then there are a number of other verticals we serve. So we are, I should know, we are in, uh, we do some auto repair. We have some car washes. Health and beauty is another big, big one of ours. So um, there are some other areas we got. In. And I heard you're also doing like these float centers now too. Yeah. Yeah, so float centers, you know, it's amazing when within the world of family entertainment, I actually just have a friend of mine who just opened a smash center where you just go in and smash things that they have in the back room, right? And now they have, have <laughs> like all the televisions and shit. Like Yeah, yeah. They just put TVs on the wall and you go in, you get a sledgehammer and some goggles and you go to town. Uh, which doesn't sound like a bad way to spend an afternoon, but this this whole concept of different family entertainment and attractions is it's blowing up. But yeah, yeah, float centers are another one we're starting to starting to see yeah, and, more and more. And the reason I talk about float centers, there was a, a a movie called Altered States with William Hurt back in the day, and um, and I want to say this is you know maybe even back in the seventies, and uh, it was about this guy that goes into a sensory deprivation tank and is doing like drugs and stuff and becomes a monkey. It's like really weird and and fucked up. But but I was thinking about VR in a flotation tank. Like, and they have oh, these wow. new, cause I've been talking to this guy. I just talked to these guys that do the swim with goggles VR experience. So they have waterproof yeah. headsets. They're putting on water slides too. And wow. so, um, yeah, I was talking to Kyle from your company about going to the conference. I guess there's a float conference coming up in, in Denver and finding somebody that's willing to experiment with virtual reality experiences in a flotation tank. I think oh, that would be really interesting and mind blowing. Well, I'm ready to try it whenever you have some sort of a product for me to give a run on. I'm in. Yeah, cool. So you're in the you're in the industry, and the challenge there so is repeat visits, right? And so that's where you guys shine. You take an existing audience, whatever that is, and we'll talk about how you can engage them. And then, what do you do to drive repeat visits, like at a high level? We'll get into the nitty gritty in a second, but you know what's so special about what you guys do that drives repeat visitation? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. In the world really in marketing kind of at large, even take it outside of, outside of FetchRev, 
it's really about knowing your customer. We really try to look at kind of three primary tenets. It's you got to know who they are. You got to know where you're going to be speaking to them at. You got to know how to speak to them. That's not every audience resonates the same. So, but in order to do any of those tenets, you have to start by being, having some strong, uh, so strong data collection, right? You have to know who your customer is. So when you look at kind of FetRev and what, what it is we're trying to do is really kind of primarily two things. We help our customers collect more customer data. So what does that look like when folks come into your center in an FEC or specifically VR? How are you collecting their data so that you're able to remarket back to them? And then what does remarketing back to them look like in a way that's that's compelling, that drives actual transactions and purchases and not simply just awareness, but how do we actually get them to take action and do repeat visits? Uh, and really, I believe that most of that comes down to right person, right place, right time, right? You got to know who that human is. You got to know who you're speaking to and you have the right, have to have the right message to be able to deliver. Yeah. And so when you say collect customer data, like give me some examples of what you mean by that and how do operators, how do the good ones do it and how should people be doing it? And, sure. how did, and then how do you leverage that into driving more traffic? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. And there's a kind of a variety of different ways that we see it done. I mean, there's old school, very beginning pen and paper, right? Are you asking the people when they come up to the counter? But with the advance of technology, there's lots of better ways, I would argue, to begin going about doing that in easier ways. Uh, there's also some ways that we're automatically doing it that oftentimes we don't think about. So, for example, our favorite way of data collection uh, here at FetchRev is Wi-Fi data collection. So everybody wants free Wi-Fi. So if you've been in one of those centers where uh, oftentimes you see them in hotels, small amusement parks, family entertainment centers, right? It's, and even some restaurants where you log in in order to gain access to the Wi-Fi, you have to log in using your information. So the kind of the main tenants that we look at, at least in the world of FEC, are we want to know names, we want to know email addresses, phone numbers, and then dates of birth. Especially if you're in an area where driving birthday parties or those types yeah. of group experiences, if group experiences are a big piece, that birthday party is a really big piece. So those are kind yeah. of the main tenants that we want to see people collecting. Now, within the trampoline park space, which I think is similar in this in the VR arcade space, a lot of people are using waivers. And so do you use the waiver data to collect that information? Absolutely. Also? Absolutely. Yeah. A waiver system, having a waiver system in place is, I mean, that's data gold, right? Because now you have every single person who's coming in there and trying your product yeah. who is required to give you their data, right? So are you asking for the right things? I think the mistake we see oftentimes is you get the data, but it's how do you go about implementing that well and how you go yeah. about using that in a, in a way that's good and doesn't drive people unsubscribing from your messaging or walking away from that. Do you help people with privacy policy to be able to market to the way the people who sign the waivers? Like, cause I think that's an issue right now, right? Is that is you get their information on a waiver, then you start marketing to them. You need permission to be able to do that in this day and age how do you help can you help people with that or do they just have to figure that out on their own you know we don't really help with privacy policies the main there are some honestly there's some pretty good stock kind of legalese privacy policies out there that you can use um it's yeah. not something that we that we personally write but i would i would argue that the main concern at least of a new owner who's coming in and starting to collect data whether that's cell phones emails is how do you store that data Right. And are you using that data in a way that's legal? Because there are just general laws applying how you can go about communicating with that customer. What yeah. does that look like? And the reality is, especially with you, Bob, doing a lot of business out of the country, you have GDPR in the UK and things like that that are really coming in. Now you're starting to see those same types of restrictions really coming in California. Uh, yeah. And so, hey, how do you be aware? How do you stay on top of that? So your housing data correctly. The worst word you really want to hear as a small business owner in the world of data these days is breach, right? You don't, yeah. want, to, you don't want to ever have that be used. So how do you hold that respectfully? And, and a lot of that goes into your terms policies, but a lot of it's staff training as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's enough of that boring legal shit. So we collect the data 
right? And I think VR arcades in general are good at doing that because they're using they're using waivers, whether they're using them for legal liability or just for promotional you know purposes to get the email, they're getting them. And one of the questions Paul's asking is about a, you know another company in the amusement industry space called Center Edge. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know those guys. You come up against them. Like, what do you guys do differently than they do? Like, where's your? Because you guys have a really narrow sweet spot that you've perfected, and that's what makes me interested. Yeah, no, and Center Edge is actually an integration. They're an integration partner of ours. We've worked with them. We work with, share a lot of the same customers. We don't really have a lot of crossover in terms of what it is that we're bringing. There are aspects of the Center Edge platform that help you collect customer data, but that's something to keep in mind. Is there's a lot of different platforms. Whether you have a you have a, that waiver system or you have electronic game cards, there's going to be a lot of different systems that are holding different amounts of data that we want to be able to compile into one place. And Center Edge would be another data source. So all of your purchases. So Center Edge, really, I would argue, is more of a point of sale system, which we're not a point of sale system, right? We're not looking to run the front end of your business. Uh, Center Edge is fantastic at that. Um, yeah. and help with actual birthday party bookings. That's probably the distinction there. Now, one of the advantages of VR arcades is the content is changing constantly. And there's a couple of companies in the FEC, like I think Dave and Busters has, has done the best job I've seen of what they do is they'll go out and get exclusives for a game, right? By committing to a massive large purpose and TV ads. So they'll get the exclusive for Halo, the exclusive for this, the exclusive for that. And then they'll run TV ads to drive people in because they have a new game and it's the only place that you can play it, right? In a trampoline park, it's got to be hard to come up with compelling reasons to increase frequency of visit. In arcades, there's there's always new content to promote, right? And there's new games coming this past week. So Servios just released Westworld VR experience, right, for arcades. Now talk about a massive media property that people are really excited about. Like I think in the VR arcade space, there's a lot of fodder for you to work with. Like, so how do you use content? How do you drive, get messaging to get people to come back and care more frequently? Let's get into the nitty gritty of it a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think VR has a really unique sales proposition in that the experience can change without the equipment changing, right? So that you have other additional things to sell. Um, and I think that the key there is one, always focusing on the experience. I think a lot of times as the, some of the kind of baseline mistakes that we see small business owners making is talking about them instead of talking about the consumer. How many times have you heard me say that? What's in it for, <laughs> for the customer? With them. It is. Yes, it's always about you. the customer, right? You are not the hero of your story, right? And and you look at, and there's a lot of great story brand information out there that you can look at from Google story branding. But it's really talking about like you, you should be as the business owner and as the communicator in your marketing messages, you're the OB1 right? You're not the Luke. Like Luke's the hero. You're just the guy pointing him where to go. And so it's really important to focus on what is that customer experience? So what is it that they get out of it? Not just like, hey, here's the coolest new image from the inside of our game. Because although that can be compelling in the right format, but what is that experience? What are, what are they going to get from an emotional standpoint? And what are the boxes that you're checking for them that they don't even really realize that they're checking? Whether that's group fun, maybe they've never thought about it from a party. Maybe they've never thought about it from a corporate event of a team building exercise to be able to go stand in the zero latency environment and with you know three of your buddies and do that. So it's, yeah. it's about speaking to the right customer in what is the box they're trying to check with the whatever event they're planning, or maybe it's just the evening that they're trying to do. Uh, but speaking to that, even arguably more so than you speak about the actual ins and outs of your own. 
product. Yeah, cool. So f- let's talk about VRKs because those are the people that I think have the biggest need. And and right now, I think F- most FECs understand how to market and you guys are helping them and you've got programs there. But there's this whole, these hundreds and hundreds of small business owners. It's a bit of a cottage industry and they've got this amazing experience they can sell with new content all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about the FetchRed platform. So yeah. they've collected data. They give you email addresses and birth dates and names and stuff of people. What do you guys do different? Like, this isn't just a function of like an email, like like MailChimp, right? right. Like, you guys have a really sophisticated platform that does a, a specific thing very well. What is it? How does it work? Yeah. So we're all about driving actionable I should say sending actionable offers. And so uh, what I mean by an actionable offer, this is something that your customer can click on, they can purchase, they can interact with, they can claim, they can do something with that offer right out of the gate. So um, as you mentioned, you may have mentioned MailChimp, right? When you look back at, you know, I've spent the past 15 years of my career in this kind of small business marketing space, you see trends kind of come along and plug along, right? There was the time, there was... The constant contact, right? Name of a company, but really encouraging. You feel like you need to be in constant contact with your customer. Newsletter, newsletter, newsletter. How do you get that out repeating every single week and stay in constant contact with your newsletter? Well, then we found out, well, customers, frankly, don't always want to be in constant contact with every business that they interact with. So it started driving on subscribe rates. There's a big push in social where it was, hey, it's all about social media. You know, be posting, be posting, be posting. When what we found is that, you know, with all the marketing, there's no real silver bullet. But what there is, is the ability to make an offer that's compelling enough that regardless of what platform it comes across, of, whether or not you're getting that in your email, a plugin that sits on your website, whether that's your social media accounts, it's the offer that you're pushing that makes a big difference. And so what we talk about all the time is actionable offers. Consumers have moved to a point where they're not consuming information like they used to from like from newsletters. So that's, you know, a big thing that we see in the industry is like, Hey, we're sending out weekly newsletters. You know, we have, uh, you know, in the world of FECs, we have karaoke on Thursdays and we have, you know, discount this on Tuesdays. And the reality is, is, you know, the reality is nobody, nobody gives a shit, right? Right. Nobody's thinking about your business as much as you are. So what do they, what do they are thinking about is, okay, what does this look like for me tonight? What can I do? And so that's what yeah. we always drive that. Everything we push out is something where it's, hey, you can purchase this, you can buy it, you can buy it straight from the platform or you can buy it straight through the channel that you saw it on, right? So whether or not you get a Fetra promotion on Facebook or you see a Fetra promotion in your email or on the website, you're able to purchase it and buy that immediately. I would argue one of the other main yeah. big components there is it's a very, very easy purchase process. So one of the one of the mistakes I think we see regularly in e-commerce websites. So if you're building that new website and you're trying to drive more of those purchases online, you have to make that purchase process as simple as possible, right? How do we make it as easy as possible for your customers to do business with you? Um, what happens is sometimes we go say, go try to buy a business like a gift card on some of your competitors. <laughs> yeah. Are you having to fill out your address and your email and where you went to college and this every single piece of information you ask for in that context? you're going to get one more person to drop off from and fall out of that purchase process. Uh, so that's what yep. Fetra does. It's about making it as easy as possible to buy. That's the end of part one of this interview. Please join us for parts two and three shortly.